Episode 62, March the 13th, 2013. The other real one. You are listening to This is Atleti, the only podcast in English dedicated to Atletico de Madrid. In today's episode... Atletico were unable to celebrate Simeone's renewal with a win. A sour defeat leaves us hurt in La Liga. Are Atleti back in a slump or have we just been unlucky in front of goal? Diego Costa's rich vein of form may have hidden problems with Falcao and Adrian. Real Sociedad have become Atleti's new arch nemesis. Pamplona is never the best place for a recovery. We analyze the upcoming clash against Osasuna. Less than a week after Cholo penned his extension, defender Miranda agreed to a deal that will keep him at the Calderon until 2016. And now the red and white fact of the week. In a night that snapped most of our ongoing streaks, we still had time to sum up one more this season. Thibaut Courtois beat Abel's home shutout record set in the 90s that was in fact part of a Guinness World Record in those days. Also, Coco reached his 100 match as a Rojo Blanco. Hello everyone and welcome back to This is Atleti, your space of 100% Atletico Madrid news and opinion. This is Ricardo Mendez once again hosting the show. And tonight, not only is my voice back, but from over the Atlantic we have Martin Rosenau. How are you, Martin? What's up? Hey. How are you doing, guys? And we also have Derek Mayan. How are you, Derek? It's good to talk to you guys again, Ricky. You're sounding yeah. a lot better this week, man. <laughs> I am, I am. I'm in one single piece, at least. I like the sexy, raspy voice from... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not like Atletico, I would say. Um, but, uh, I was quite surprised with the defeat. Uh, uh, and it seems like Real Sociedad beat Atleti at their own, at their own game. And that was... One of the things, and, and maybe we can start the, the conversation with with the Real Sociedad sh- shocking defeat, or at least it was shocking for me. Um, I wasn't expecting Atletico to to lose um, this match. I, I, I was probably um, expecting, not hoping that um, Atletico would drop some points um, against the big two. But I thought that Atletico had things under control in the home matches uh, against teams that were that had a similar level or that had um, that were uh, theoretically below um, our our football level. But um, unfortunately, Real Sociedad seemed to beat us and beat us square and fair. What's what's your opinion, Martin? Well, I, I think. Taking the last two games into consideration, where in Malaga we couldn't score, and then this game we were shut out again, which, you know, for a team that has, like ours, that has one of the strongest offenses, it's surprising, especially at home, to get shut out. But in back-to-back weeks, not not being able to find the back of the net, what's really surprising about that is that we've actually taken 36 shots in those two games, and... Of those 36 shots, only five have been on target. And like you were saying, when teams try to play, uh, try to play us at our own game, and uh, you know they respect us a lot and they sit deep, we always find it more difficult to create chances. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen is that against our will, we've been averaging more possession than our opponents. These last two games against Malaga and La Real we had 55% to their 45%. And that doesn't seem to work for us. 
No, it doesn't. And uh, we've become too predictable. Uh, our attacks, the majority of them are through Philippe, Arda, or Costa, and they all come from the left side. And it's like, you know, uh, on the right side, we have this huge void where Juan Fran's left to, to man that flank on his own. And we don't have that kind of balance that we had last year when Adrián was in form. Uh, he, he was linking up with Juan Fran, uh, and then we had this balanced attack where on the left you had, uh, Philippe linking up with Arda when Arda was playing on the left, on the right, Adrián could play with Juan Fran, and then in the middle we had our brainchild, which was Diego Rivas. And, and this year we don't have any of that. As you've mentioned before in previous podcasts, Ricky, uh, Costa drifts to the left. And the, the data shows that too. Mm-hmm. That, that Costa's on the left. You got Philippe on the left. You got Arda, who, who also drifts to the left. And then this last game, El Cholo tried to put in, uh, Cebolla on the right side. Uh, I don't know exactly what his plan is there, but then, uh, Cebolla also drifts off to the left too. And mm-hmm. we've got this clutter there. It's just a big disarray. And we've seen that. Even, even Coca seems to go that way because um, Coca is a well, player that's, that's always that's looking. Game. Yeah, he's, yeah, well, he's, he's always looking for the forwards, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, and he stays central because Coca doesn't tend to drift off to the right, you know what I mean? So Coca mm-hmm. is in the middle, and yeah, and I think that that's shown also in the fact, I pointed it out in my aftermath, I was looking at the stats from the game and, and total touches, and you got Falcao, who's... Uh, arguably our most critical, you know, offensive power. Uh, well, lately, Costa's been more dominant, but Falcao had the least amount of touches in the game out of all our field players, even less than Cebolla, and Cebolla didn't even seem like he was in the game, and he came out early. So it's kind of it's kind of telling uh, that we're struggling to create something when Falcao has the least amount of touches out of the whole team mm-hmm. and, and and significantly less, you know what I mean? Then I think Costa had something like 61 touches and Falcao 41. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it, one, one more thing, I'm sorry. It's just, it's not just a problem offensively when our attacks focus on the left, when most of our guys are on the left, we saw against La Real that all their attacks were coming from their left because it was really just one run you know, manning that side, and and all of all of their attacks were coming from the left. We we left that that part of the field completely exposed. Plus, Derek, I don't I don't think that um, Juan Fran is is going through his best moment of the season. Um, well, he isn't playing as well as was last season when he earned the call up for uh, La Roja for the Spanish selection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure. I, I think I agree with Martin here, where you can't really blame Juan Fran for the fact because. Um, as Martin Riley points out, there's a huge void ahead of him and he's supposed to run down the entire flank. And while he used to be a right winger, of course, uh, back in the day, he, he doesn't seem to have the same kind of engine, the same motor that Felipe has to, to run up and down the entire game, um, where Felipe also has more of a backup in Arda and Coca and Gabi as well, who, who seem to, to join him on the, in attack while Juan Fran is left all open. Mm-hmm. Um, this time, though, this match, this particular match, I think that, of course, this is this is Atleti. We are talking a, a podcast on Atletico here, and Martin just made a great analysis on some of the points that seem to be wrong with um, 
are Atletico, but I think that for this game you should also credit Real Sociedad because I thought they played a brilliant defensive game where even though they conceded a lot of shots, as Martin pointed out, I think that all those shots came from outside the area, um, none of them which were all too dangerous. And um, Sociedad, they played very compact. They have a very young team, but they, they play very cleverly. They they seem to have a, a very good defensive plan, and they played it out very well. And perhaps they got a bit lucky with the goal they scored, which... Yeah, there's also a, a, a huge amount of luck uh, involved in football, and uh, luck just seems to not be flipping the coin our side lately. Well, I think that right here, the, we, we expect as fans, we expected to, to cruise in the autopilot this game, and I think that all of us expected to win every single home game until we reached the, the streak where we play Barcelona and Real Madrid consecutively. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that it, it's quite... Is it very realistic to go an entire season unbeaten at home? I mean, we've had a great streak, but at one point you're going to trip up, and perhaps it's better to trip up right now um, to, to to wake up, use it, this as a wake-up call, yeah. and perhaps uh, regain our focus for the upcoming games. I'm not sure if this is such a bad thing, because at least we didn't play a very bad game. We were just lacking some um, no. incisiveness and so, some some power to really make a push, but we still played a pretty decent game, and as Martin pointed out, we had most of the possession. Mm-hmm. Um, well, having having the possession, don't you think that's a, that's a, that's a dangerous fact? Because um, we usually don't get good results when we when we get the possession. It's not it's it's not normally the way the team is designed to play. Um, we're a counter-attacking team, so having more possession uh, is normally having the ball to do what um, move it around and. Um, well, little by little, drift off in in terms of intensity, in terms of of preciseness, and and I uh, those are two words, preciseness and intensity that I heard Chola repeat in the in the press room, saying that um, the the team had probably the, the team probably made the same mistakes they they made in the second half against Rubin Kazan. They 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 tried very hard. Uh, the intention was very good. But there wasn't enough preciseness and there wasn't enough intensity in, in certain moments. But just because they're trying to do too many things with the ball, when, um, that's just not the, the game that Atletico is used to playing. Well, while, while we dominate a possession, um, you also have to admit, though, that we may not have been very um, dangerous going forward. But we also haven't conceded any um, goal-scoring opportunities. I think that Xavi Prieto, Prieto scored from the only... Uh, attempt on target by uh, La Real on Sunday. Well, yes, they were very lucky. Malaga, we only conceded two chances from set pieces, and I think that's all we've uh, given away at the back in the last two games. So, while we may be lacking a punch in our offense, um, we're also really keeping things um, tight in defense, which, uh, of course, is a positive coming from us dominating possession. So, it's really, well, you can really pick between two evils here because. Um, both sides, both, both uh, approaches to the game have their advantages, and you can see now at this point that teams have figured Atletico out. I mean, we're um, uh, three quarters into the season. Teams know how Atletico wants to play, and I think perhaps this is about time that we think of an alternative game plan, a plan B, where uh, we dominate yeah. possession. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with Derek that we need to, I think we need to reinvent ourselves a little bit, and I've been like scratching my head. Since the since this game, and then looking at, at you know the data of how how much of our attack is focused on the left side, and I try to think, okay, so what can we do? Should we 
try Adrian, like force Adrian to play more on the right so that he can like have the role of anchoring that no, right I thought you were going to finish the sentence and play. Force Adrian to play. <laughs> <laughs> Once and for all. <laughs> no, but really, like, we need somebody on that side to anchor and to link up with Juanfran, or else, you know, everybody's just com- going to ignore the right side and, and just block us pretty much on the left. Uh-huh. We we have no threat from from our right side. So. The thing is that I, I think that the only players that uh, Simeone has on... on uh, in the in the bench or, or or on the team, in fact, that provide any different solutions to what uh, Letico is designed to do as a plan A, are probably too young to give them that responsibility. And um, relying your offensive power on players like Saul Niguez or or Oliver Torres that bring in a different type of 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 game style. Um, I can understand um, Simeone being reluctant. I don't know if it's a good idea to be as reluctant as he's, he seems to be being, um, but I can understand that he's being reluctant to play 17 and 18 year olds in um, in, in the limelight, uh, giving them all the pressure of having to uh, reap r- results for the team. Because yeah. that's that's those are the the two only players that I think can bring something new to the game style. I, I can I think that there's there's a player that might be able to offer something besides Adrian. He he was tested all season long in the in the early goings and he just he never really showed that form from last season. It's something that we've talked about repeatedly. Mm-hmm. But the other player on the bench that I think maybe can can anchor that right side. We saw it a lot in the Europa League where when Raúl was playing, you know, as a winger in that in that four-two-three setup. He was on the right mm-hmm. up front. He actually did, you know, hold his own there on the right. And uh, I don't know, maybe should, should Cholo try that out? Leave Costa on the left, maybe, and then have Arda in the middle. To me, another thing would be would be having Koke and Gabi playing as DM. You know, mm-hmm. uh, having them two. That's Koke's natural position. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel. Koke versus Mario playing alongside Gabi. Who would you prefer in that? In uh, that right. Well, in general, I would prefer Koke. Um, That's what I'm saying. So if you put Koke, uh, probably Gabi Mario too. is a more balanced player. Um, uh, Mario brings in a, a lot of defensive power uh, besides his offensive skills, whereas Koke is probably more explosive on the offensive front, but not as uh, consistent uh, defensively. Do you think we need two defensive guys like Gabi <laughs> and, and, and Mario when we're No, not really, playing? but this is a, this is a watertight uh, um, design team, and, and that's the way they work. And right. Uh, defensively, and that's another thing to point out, is that we currently have the top defense, which is unbelievable to say uh, that we've conceded the least amount of goals in the league. Uh-huh. And I know so far this season we concede on average less than a goal per game when... Last season it was like 1.2. Mm-hmm. And um, um, on on the one hand we have a, a watertight defense, um, but what about the offense? The offense seems to be um, sinking. Uh, if if we compare it to to the same uh, offensive power we had at the beginning of the season, I'm 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 starting to be a bit worried with uh, Falcao not not reaching his um, a peak in, in shape and I don't know if it's that or that, that him, 
that Cholo is playing him in a different position in the field or that the team is not um, uh, understanding um, how to get the balls to, to Falcao. But I, I do get the feeling that Falcao is a bit lost in the field for more times uh, uh, for more time that would be recommendable uh, such a powerful player and in the front and he's offensively being not very determined in the last maybe um, I've seen him playing behind Costa more more often where Costa's being the person the the player to take the ball uh-huh. the farthest the furthest up and then one of the debates is um, is uh, Diego Costa emerging as an important player been counterproductive uh, for having Falcao play his best football. Is, is this a topic in Spain, Ricky, where, um, for example, journalists or even you in, at the press conference have asked Simeone about this issue? Um, it, it, at press conferences that I am aware of, um, I, I, I think that uh, they, they were asked uh, whether... Um, I, I, I can't think of a situation where, where Simeone was, was directly addressed for, uh, about um, Diego Costa um uh, being not beneficial for for Falcao's um game but understanding the type of replies you get from Simeone lately when whenever the result is not a, a smashing victory or even when it's a smashing victory he's pretty aggressive with with journalists um with the questions that are out of the standard and he doesn't like very much so I quite frankly can't see anyone daring to ask that type of question, but um, I'll try to bring up that that question in the next press conference uh, to see what Simeone has to say. Sometimes he just diverts the the attention. For example, um, uh, a journalist, I think with a lot of reason, um, asked him in the last press conference whether it was um, whether the the lack of of passing effectiveness might open doors that right now seems shut for players like Oliver Torres. And he was really, really offended with the question. And Martin, there, there's some, uh, sorry, Rick, to answer. Martin, there was something that you mentioned before about reinventing our game, and there's something that I really like about Simeone, where um, during a season, multiple times, he's um, uh, adapted to, to something he sees in our games, and he's, he's not afraid to change our system. And you mentioned before, how maybe we should switch to a 4-2-3-1 um, system with, uh, which we seem to use um, earlier on in the season. Is that something that you can see happen on the short term, where, for example, Diego Costa would be taken out again or forced out wide? Uh, I think he'd be forced out wide. That's what I'd see. Because Ricky's pointed it out, and, and like I said, the data shows that he does tend to focus his game on the left side. Uh, so... Yeah, but is that something that Diego Costa does naturally, or is it um, is it something that's designed um, from the from the dressing room? That's that's what I really don't know. Uh, I wouldn't think it's something designed. Uh, I just think it's that's where he feels more comfortable. Uh huh. Um, because you know that there's certain players that in in a certain moment of their career, for example, I'm thinking of David Villa in Barcelona, which is a a very good example, or Adrian in his first season. Um, they, they would be played extremely wide when th- that wouldn't be their natural position in their in their previous teams. For example, David Villa for Valencia, for Sporting de Gijón, he would play as um, center striker. And uh, at Barcelona, the, the years of Guardiola, he would play completely to the left. In the same way, we used to see Adrián, especially with, Manza- with Manzano, 
sticking completely to the left. And um, I, I see that Diego Costa has more or less replicated the same area where Adrian was, where, where we expected to see Adrian in in previous parts of the season. So I'm really not sure because I've seen Diego Costa play at the Vicente Calderon for quite a few years, and 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 for other teams like Rayo Vallecano or or Valladolid, I think he's always played in striker position. Well, I but think having Falcao there, you have to move him somewhere else. I think you actually make a very good point here, Ricky, because the movement of Diego Costa and Adrian perhaps is quite similar. Mm-hmm. But, of course, there's a very big difference in uh, how Adrian, when he receives the ball in, inside the channels, then he tries to uh, connect with Falcao or with the other players, while Diego Costa, he just puts his head down and he goes for it. He goes straight towards goal. Ramps into the first defense he finds. <laughs> yeah, and, and just just look... Um, Look at how he responds after Diego Costa goes on one of his um, rampaging runs because you can see how Falcao kind of gives up on the play because he knows Diego Costa is going to go solo and um, Falcao... He's either going to lose the ball or get taken out. Or win a corner or something, but Falcao knows that he's going to have to wait until the the ball is finally crossed if that's ever going to happen and it's a completely different approach compared to, for example, when we still had Adrian in his best form or when we had Diego, who are players who are looking to actually enable Falcao to score. And I think that that is the fact where Falcao is most suffering these past two, three months. Yeah, you can see that they haven't established a good chemistry yet, you know, Falcao and Costa. And, and it's not obvious or anything that, that it's going to ever happen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, well... Um would a solution be probably to play another midfielder and remove Diego Costa and Adrian from the picture, at least for starters, especially in an away game, and maybe play Raul García, as you said before, and play with five midfielders? That could be another option. That would be yeah. a great option. Or we could just send Gary to one of, to the training facilities and ask him to slap the shit out of Adriana maybe wait <laughs> <laughs> um, Gary would go there just to put the price tag on Adriana he's been wanting to sell him for ages <laughs> he'll put the little bow on him yeah <laughs> okay moving on um, we, 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 we've already covered more or less um, what can happen in the upcoming clash against uh, Osasuna and um, well uh are you worried? Uh, one of the things that have happened after, uh, as a consequence of losing these, uh, dropping these three points, is that we've also lost the second position. Um, do you think there is a psychological effect? Uh, do you guys think there is a psychological effect that could um, uh, have the players um, go into a depressed mode of losing that second position and maybe that um, spot? In in um, as the I don't know uh, second best uh, contender or or um, the aspiring side to to um, have all the attention taken away from Real Madrid or do you think this is this is not that big of a deal and securing Champions League spot is um, is the, the most important thing or I'm afraid that they're slightly connected that 
um, we should at least be in the fight to recover that second posi uh, position for the rest of the season, or else it's going to have some type of psychological impact on the players. What's your I opinion? Yeah, I, I don't think Simeo is going to allow that to happen. And um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe that every time this season Atletico drop points, we bounce back the the, the next game and actually won it. Um, and I believe that the Malaga and Real Sociedad games this season were the first time where that didn't happen. But usually we've shown um, uh, a very good recovery after losing a game where we just bounce back and won. And I'm actually quite confident because, um, as I mentioned before on previous podcasts, now we don't. We, we've got the Europa League games out of the way. We have a full week to prepare for our La Liga games, and um, I'm pretty sure that the boys are going to want to bounce back after a very disappointing defeat at home. And I, I think we'll see a very motivated game at um, very motivated Atletico at the Rhino de Navarra on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking. I mean, from one aspect, the players may have thought it was something inevitable. You know that Real Madrid was just going to pass them eventually uh and then the other thing is that still being one point away from Real Madrid and having a chance to still pass them again and take back that second place spot might be a motivational factor in itself so it, it could push them as opposed to put them down mm -hmm. there, there is one but, thing though Ricky that I'm kind of afraid of um which is what would happen if Atletico were to lose one or two more times because then we would be um, stuck in third position with no place, uh, with no room to go down or go up, and I think that that would be a very bad position for Atletico to be in. Because then we don't really have anything to play for in these last games in La Liga. Mm -hmm. well, I, Valencia syndrome. I, 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 yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. The, the crossroad that Valencia has had for the last seasons—it's like yeah. um, there's a point where they seem to be. Um, running for second place, they seem to be running for second place, suddenly something happens, really big slump, and they're caught in the middle of nowhere, losing so many matches that they seem to, that they're, oh, oh, they're going to even lose a third spot at the end. That doesn't happen, but um, there are three or four um, games of influx that... Um, it takes a team to recover. I, I think we've seen that happen to Valencia uh, two or three of the last seasons, um, and um, it would be very unfortunate after such a fantastic season to to have Atletico um, not fight for the second spot with Real Madrid to the very end. And I, I, I think um, uh, fans would just love to finish in, in second spot. Uh, not just that, but I think we also need the target, the goal, um, to keep ourselves sharp because, of course, we have that Copa del Rey final coming up and I think that we need to, to continue to be this aggressive every single game until that Cup final because if, we don't, if you're not playing for anything, then you see that the players, they, they start the motivation and I think that ultimately that will have a negative effect on our performance in that Cup final. So I hope we can just set a goal for ourselves and the goal should be to finish second and Mm -hmm. uh, whether we we make it or not, I hope that we can keep fighting for it until the end of the season. Mm -hmm. We we have Osasuna, which is um, only four points above relegation, so they're in the very very hot um, area of the of the Liga. Um, they're in position 15, so um, they're not they're not in deep trouble yet but they could be if they lose the match against Atletico I think we're, they, they can feel a lot of pressure coming on that side um, 
we could expect a pretty defensive Osasuna selling for whatever um, points they can obtain from the match from the very beginning. And the results that we've had in the last seasons, I'm trying to check, you have to go uh, like um, three seasons back to find a, a positive result for, for Osasuna. So, so um, things don't look that bad. And even though Reino Navarra is traditionally a, a hard field to uh, gain points, it's, it, it doesn't look as, as bad as it would for, for us in, 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 other, in other years. I don't know. Um, do you have any special memories about um, hard to win matches at Reino Navarra? Um, last season we won uh, zero to one. Wasn't that um, that much of a match? I, I have a quick uh, a quick question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Do you know who scored the last hat trick for Atletico at the Reino de Navarra? Of course, the beast. <laughs> <laughs> Who did? The beast of the Manzanares. You don't remember, Ricky? No. It was one of the the few games that Diego Costa really impressed in his previous spells at Atletico. Diego Sanchez flew his helm. Uh, yeah. Costa, wow, that's a, that's a fact. April the third, two thousand eleven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Okay, well, um, that, that could be highly motivational for Diego. He, like, he single-handedly won that game because it was three-two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that hat and um well uh we we were talking about um the uh, um Courtois um record and Coque's 100th match uh the team s- still uh, is is getting uh, all those those uh, positive things happening um around it and um we got Chola to sign until uh 2016 um Sorry, t- 2017. Today, we uh, the, the club announced uh, um, Miranda's contract extension 2017. Do you get the feeling that people aren't enjoying Atletico's great moment enough? <laughs> Uncomfortable silence. No. <laughs> what, do, what do you mean? What do you mean? I, I get the feeling that um, people have become, and, and I and I sense that. Cholo is complaining about this quite often that um, uh, people just can't get enough of a good thing. That um, they're happy for the good things that are happening to the club, but whenever two or three bad results get in the way, people are sourly complaining and talking about Atletico's um, Atletico always underperforming, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What, what what is your opinion about um, the 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 feeling that you get, um, I, I speak to basically Spanish fans. Um, uh, what, what is your opinion from, from what you read in the forums and what the you... Thing is, pe- the thing your- is, like, okay, like, you, like we mentioned, we just lost second place. You know what I mean? So that's something... When are we going to get the chance again to really fight for first and second place? Next like season. we were just now. It, yeah, but then next season we have all these issues like are we going to lose Falcao or are we going to have an adequate replacement for him? You know what I mean? There's there's other situations and plus we people are starting to see certain flaws in the team that might, you know, that might harm the rest of the season. Uh, maybe if we do lose Falcao, okay, we, we qualify for Champions League, but can we really compete next season? in Champions League, if we lose Falcao, if we don't get a good replacement. So, I mean, I can see where some people might not be, like, totally positive about about 
the way things are going, but mm -hmm. this is one of the best Atleticos in history. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a paradox there. Okay, um, Derek. Well, I, I know, of course, the fans can be fickle, but to be honest, I don't really get th that feeling because maybe it's just me and, as you, as you said, Ricky, we're moving in different circles, but personally, I'm still buzzing from the Europa League final that we won, from the UEFA Super Cup that we won, mm -hmm. from the uh, 4-0 thrashing of Sevilla that Martin and I both visited this year. Um, it matches like those that I still remember every single day when I wake up, to, to, to be speaking of. Um, it's not just a loss to Real Sociedad or a, a goalless draw in Malaga. I mean, those things are supposed to happen during a season. And um, I'm just cherishing the moment where we're having a fantastic season. And to be honest, when I do see someone who's complaining about the result, complaining about a, a substitution that Simeone has made, and it's always interesting to discuss it, but you can't really complain about anything uh, that is happening with Atletico this season because we're still having a perfect season, if you ask me. Okay, um, crystal ball moment of the podcast before we wrap up. Um, Courtois yesterday, um, quote, I see lots of options of continuing next season. End of quote. Baffles me. You're on a loan deal. <laughs> You've been here for two years. Oh, what's up with Courtois? Um, do you guys really think that we can pull this off? I, I think this would be probably the best operation um, carried out by Atletico owners in a very, very long time if they manage to keep Courtois. Um, I mean, and, 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 and buy him, I don't know, as yeah. if part of the Falcao operation, whatever. What's your I opinion? Yeah, I think we're trying to um, take him on so many loan deals until con until his contract expires and then just take him on free. And I think <laughs> that's our, our strategy here. Uh, <laughs> I'll not pay a single penny. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he's made it pretty clear that he wants to stay, yeah. man. Like he ha he's repeated it over and over all season long. Uh, I'm reading here from the aftermath. He says, "I'm very happy here. The supporters offer me affection. I have affection for them." I'm very happy in Madrid with the people here and my teammates. It's not a decision that depends solely on me, but everyone knows that I'm happy here, and if I can, conti if I can continue, I'd be delighted. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I don't... And plus, if you look at his prospects for next season, he's got Champions League football with a team that he earned it with, you know what I mean, to, to be able to carry that legacy. And mm -hmm. he just seems like a happy-go-lucky guy when while being with Atleti, you know. Mm -hmm. He and enjoys it. He, he uh, genuinely enjoys it. Small Torrista side note, um, Torres rejected a move to ANSI. Um, I, I think that was today or, or yesterday. I'm, I'm, I really have high hopes of Fernando Torres coming back as part of the Falcao deal. Hmm. Well, um, I mean, you guys are, are post-Torres uh, uh, fans no, mostly. No. No, no, no. I actually started following Atletico in the first place because of Fernando Torres. Okay, uh, Martin, you are a, yeah, a post-Torres. Post right. uh, do, do you understand us when we go nuts about Fernando Torres? Of course. Yeah? Yeah, totally. yeah. Okay. All uh, you have to do is think of, of when De Gea was playing for Atleti and, and Coque and those kinds of players, and uh, you just imagine the magnitude of somebody like Fernando Torres when he was at Atleti. It's easy to understand. Okay. Well, um, guys, I, I think that we've covered most of the uh, of the hot topics for for this week. We're trying to keep these these podcasts in in um, a bit shorter to uh, to make it easier for for our listeners to 
listen to them um, in a single time. And, well, I'd like to thank you guys again for, for being on the show. Martin, thank you very much. Talk to you very soon. All right. It's been great, guys. And, Derek, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Ricky, Martin, talk to you next time. Yeah, we'll get back together next week and um, talk a bit more about Atletico Madrid. So this wraps up another episode of Red and White Passion. Remember to send your views by Twitter at This Is Atleti, Facebook on Facebook.com slash This Is Atleti, or by email on info at This Is Atleti.com. If you're a new listener, we hope you enjoyed the show and that you will continue to listen to us. You can subscribe to the podcast or download it via iBox or iTunes. Thank you for Atleti. If you would like to advertise on This Is Atleti, contact us via email on info at thisisatleti.com.